Incoming! You guys ever think about dying? Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to Cheapskate Tuesday number four. But this is something a little special because we did the meme. We did the Barbenheimer. It was a grueling six hours in the cinema. Yes, it was. And we paid full price. Not a very cheapskate. <laughs> we paid with our lower backs. Those chairs are awful. Yeah. And of course, we had another cinema experience as oh, yes. usual. We'll get to that. <laughs> Let's talk about it now before we dive into the movies. Okay, fair enough. So in between the movies, fair we enough. saw Barbie first, so we'll be talking about Barbie first. There mm -hmm. appeared to be an in-progress crime near or at the theater. <laughs> When we exited the theater, there were cops swarming the shopping center where our theater was located. Literally has, running around. Yeah, running around, swarming, trying to One get One even ran into the theater. Yeah. And I believe you asked, like, the officer on the outside, you're like, is it okay to, like, go this way? And she's like, yeah, go ahead, go in. And I'm like, and I'm just thinking, I don't want to go in there if, like, some yeah. guy's in there getting cornered. Yeah, so this time it wasn't the patrons that the experience but rather the threat of an act of crime yes so <laughs> nothing happened we're here yes yes we're totally fine okay let's jump into the description of the movie so we're gonna start with barbie since that was the first one we saw yeah and uh let's go do you want to give the synopsis or yeah i'll give a synopsis read a synopsis or share i'll make i'll make one because the synopsis i just found was actual bs yeah okay so barbie and ken are living in barbie land and seemingly Influences from the real world start infecting their perfect world, and they have to go to the real world to fix them. Yeah. That's that's it. That's, that's <laughs> pretty much it. So, um, with the Barbie movie, as I understand, there's been sort of an embargo on the information that was available to people. Oh, really? And we weren't told much more than that as a synopsis. Yeah, it was just, we knew it was a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but, honestly, the movie gets pretty out there yeah so we, i didn't know what to expect going in obviously i'd seen the trailer and i kind of just thought like well i guess i'm gonna have to see that to know what it's about well and should, should we uh say our recommendations first before we start sure do you recommend the barbie movie i recommend the barbie movie okay. i wouldn't say you even necessarily to see it even on a cheapskate tuesday in a theater you can wait till it comes on like streaming or whatever like rental youtube I'm just just watch it once. I think it's fine. I don't think you had need to rush out. Yeah, I would also tentatively recommend it. I would say maybe Cheapskate Tuesday, uh, discount or yeah, just wait for it to come on the streaming. I think it is worth watching. I yeah. didn't love the movie. I did a lot of problems with it, but uh, I guess we can talk about what we liked about the movie. Yeah. So I thought the visuals were gorgeous for the most part. I love the look of the sets, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you could see from the trailers and just get an estimation for yourself, but I think they spent a lot of time and care making the sets look oh, accurate yeah. to the Barbie toys. Well, not just the sets, friggin' the details of the characters themselves Yeah, that represent the individual Barbies. Yeah. It, it's pretty crazy, because they even show you at the end of the film during the credits the Barbies each character is based on, and you're just like, wow, they yeah. really cared and like had the, uh, the, the data and the history to like go back and like actually make this... Like, look perfect. Right. So if you are a fan of Barbie, or the Barbie franchise at all, I think you'll be pleased, because there was a great amount of care, care yeah. and attention to detail. It wasn't one of those where, you know, they take your favorite property and they change everything about it to suit their needs. Transformer? I mean, what did I say? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, 
you'll probably recognize some Barbie things if you had Barbie toys when you were young. 100%. Yeah. So I think it's commended for that. Um, obviously visuals, but it, I thought it was actually pretty funny. I yeah, haven't seen a comedy I, in theaters for a while. Yeah. And um, yeah. it got a couple of good laughs out of me. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And I think the audience in the theater, because it was, I think it was full theater. Yeah, it was pretty good. Th- people were dressed up in pink. Yeah. Everyone were, it, it, people were excited. Yeah. And wore, they even had like a little Barbie box in the uh, in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wore a Malibu shirt to try to go with the uh, the flow of things. But um, I think generally the theater was pretty receptive to the laughs. Um, there were probably a few jokes that fell flat, but um, I would say more than average jokes landed for me because mm-hmm. I haven't seen a straight comedy in a long time. Same. It, they're so, they're so hit or miss. I yeah, don't usually take the chance. It's true. So I guess most of the comedy is quips from Marvel movies that I've seen recently. Oh yeah, and those almost never hit for me. They're, so like quip, last time I laughed in a theater was ages. Quips aren't comedy movies though, so I yeah. don't necessarily like count spider-man 2 as a actual comedy it's just like trying a little too hard in those kind of scenes right so i i liked i liked how funny it was Mm -hmm. another thing that i enjoyed was how willing it was to take some risks with what the movie did yeah because there's some weird stuff in there like do you want to, we we can spoil yeah. the intro scene i mean it's the whole the whole film's pretty cerebral like the intro scene is straight up uh 2000 you know space odyssey yeah it, it's like literally recreation they're talking about little girls and dolls like yeah, it's such and, a weird scene it's such a weird scene and then literally margot robbie barbie figure shows yeah. up as the uh the um, monolith monolith yeah and the music's playing and then all the little girls start bashing their little baby dolls yeah so it's like helen mirren's a narrator right yeah and she's narrating something like you know ever since there was little girls they had dolls yeah but then there was barbie and like the monolith yeah. appears but the, the monolith is margot robbie yeah and she's just smiling ear to ear and yeah. you're just like okay and then, instead of you know hitting each other with sticks the little girls are breaking their dolls in favor and teacups or whatever yeah. yeah and the whole time you know just brock and zarathustra is playing just like space odyssey so <laughs> i thought that was a very out there scene I was like, I was wondering how they're going to start the movie at all. Yeah. So, and that was not what I expected. Not what I expected. And and at this point, you have to think, who's getting this reference? Because it's like... Yeah, true. Actually, you're right. I don't know who the target audience of this movie is at all. Gen Z's don't watch that movie. I don't know if it is Gen Z. I, I feel like the target of this movie is actually millennials. It's hard to say. played with Barbies. And yeah. it's like, have millennials even seen Space Odyssey? Uh, depends. I mean, have girls seen? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've, the niche of people who have seen that movie is incredibly low. Yeah, I don't but know. everyone understands the reference hilariously. Enough. Are you sure? I don't know if there's overlap between Kubrick fans and Barbie fans. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just saying as a general like film reference. Yeah, most people understand that reference. Okay, so you think it's in pop culture enough? Yes. Yeah. So, so the movie starts strange, and then um, I think it goes straight into. Barbie Land, Margot yeah. Robbie. She wakes up and yeah. she's like saying hi to everybody. It's a perfect day. Yeah, it has like a choreographed sequences and it's set to original music that's like mm. narrating what's happening. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that sequence. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a very colorful sequence. It showed all the characters how their normal day would look. Yeah. And then immediately it goes into a day that is not like they're normal. Like yeah. they. So. She, it, our Barbie, yeah, the one that the movie focuses on, 
quote unquote stereotypical Barbie. Yeah, she's actually called stereotypical Barbie, Margot Robbie, who of course plays the perfect Barbie. I don't think anyone would had any that. doubt about that yeah. casting. <laughs> it was pretty much perfect. Born for just it. like, yep, she's Barbie. Yeah. Uh but yeah, she plays stereotypical Barbie, which is just the Barbie you think of when people say Barbie. That's actually what she describes herself as. Yeah. She doesn't have any special characteristics. She's not a career. She's the everyman Barbie. Yes. The every woman Barbie. Yeah. It's not every man, every woman. Yeah. So she's having a day in Barbie land and then we get a fun sequence and the next day begins and it's, well, she's the, beginning to develop some existential dread. Yes. The, I think the the first thing that kicks it off is, I think is in the trailer where she says, has anybody else thought about dying? Oh yeah. They have the dance sequence. The dance sequence. And she says that everyone stops. Yeah. And then she's like, just kidding. And like, it continues on. Yeah. So there, and then there, the next morning things start going awry. There are a few dance numbers. and Actually, I, oh, I really yeah. enjoyed all of them. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, we forgot. We have to introduce Ken. Oh, Because yeah. I think this is my first issue. Oh. Even though I love Ryan Gosling as Ken. Oh my God. He looked amazing too. He put work in this. Yeah. He's looking more shredded than ever, I think. Yeah. He looked great. I, he, yeah. I, He's bizarrely fit for a man who's getting advanced in his age. But uh, he plays Ken perfectly. He actually might be the highlight of the movie, to be honest. I enjoyed his his every scene he was in, pretty much. Yeah, he's he's kind of stealing the show. And I think that's my first problem is a lot of this movie is about that Ken in particular, but the Kens in general. Yes. And when I think of Barbie, my mind doesn't instantly say, like, Ken... When I think of Barbie, I just think of Barbie toys. Yeah. So, I think of playhouses or the car. Yeah. Like, I, I know there is a Ken, but like, how many Kens are sold compared to Barbies? Let's be real. It can't even be 10%. I don't know. I mean, when I would go to my cousins and they had all Barbies. Yeah. Like, it, the ratio was like, yeah, it was like, there's one Ken and like five Barbies. Yeah. Pretty okay, much. So maybe 20%. Uh, Yeah. Maybe I don't know the demographics, but. I I mean I don't have didn't to. <laughs> think that Ken was a good thing to focus on for the movie. I thought he'd be more of like a funny side character. Yeah, I thought so too. But he ends up being pretty pivotal to the entire plot of the movie. Yeah, and funny. we spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, actually, like is he? Well, as soon as they go to the real world, right? Um, he kind of goes back and you know basically oh, takes wait, the plot. Spoiler, spoiler. No, I'm not going to say what he did, but he, yeah. he takes the plot forward from that moment beyond. Right. So, like, uh, as soon as we get, like, a quarter into the movie, yeah. he he takes the plot forward from there. He, he you know, he, he's the driver at that point. Right, right. So that's that's my first little quibble. But, um, so the, the plot's advancing. Yeah. Barbie has a bit of an existential moment at this dance-off. Yeah. Things oh, are happening. we still got to talk about the Kens. So the Kens... In this Barbie land. Oh, right. Sorry. I think they just sort of exist as accessories. I think they're actually described by the president of Barbie land as yes. accessories to the Barbies. A hundred percent. And they, uh, they're they hanging out at the beach. Uh, Ken's character is just beach. He doesn't yeah. have a job. He doesn't have a job. He just He's is like, beach. beach Ken. And uh, there's also Michael Sarah's character is Alan. That's, apparently he's a real toy. Yeah, that was hilarious. He's just Ken's best friend. I'm glad to see him in movies. Yeah. So... In Barbie Land, there's many Barbies and many Kens, all serving different purposes or jobs. And they're all named Barbie and they're all named Ken. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty funny. Uh, Except for a few side ones that are yeah, like and the then, pregnant one and like the random little skipper. The narrator describes Ken as someone who only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. That's right. And Ken, Ryan Gosling, and Ken Simu Liu are sort of warring for the yes. attention of stereotypical Barbie. 
That's like right. A little butting heads there. And so Ken Ryan Gosling is desperate for attention. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. That sort of will be important later. So we get introduced to all the Kens, and we see the Kens uh, performing various feats and stunts to get the attention of the Barbies. Then there's a dance-off. Then there's existential dread. And then bad things start happening to stereotypical Barbie. And by bad things, I mean regular things that happen to women and everybody, like yeah. cellulite and uh, flat feet. <laughs> yeah, just normal thoughts about, you know, like, am I going to die someday? Uh, what's this stuff on my leg? <laughs> right. So then she has to consult Weird Barbie. Weird Barbie, yeah. Who is the only one that's going to know about what this is. <laughs> I loved Weird Barbie. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It made it so much sense to yeah. like have that kind of character in there. So the other Barbies are telling stereotypical Barbie, like, oh, you're going to have to go see Weird Barbie. And... <laughs> Margot Robbie's like, oh, I don't want to go there. She's always doing the splits. Because, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a kid, like everyone would, would like contort a Barbie and yeah. like draw on their face and stuff. So in, in this universe, sort of somehow the there's, real some, world there's weird stuff. The, the weird, real world can influence things. Yeah. So this Barbie is a representation of all the Barbies got, like, got played with a little too hard. Yeah. So she's got like messed up hair because it got cut. <laughs> And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's always doing the splits because <laughs> that's just what happens to Barbies if you're familiar with the toy. I mean, it's true. Yeah. And uh, she's got like drawings on her face and stuff. I think she's played by Kate McKinnon. And yes. um, probably might have been my favorite character after Ken. Yeah, great choice. Yeah, because she's, she's really casting. funny. And she tells Barbie that to deal with her issues, she's going to have to go to the real world because somewhere in the real world, a child is having problems and the problems are manifesting themselves in consequences for barbie land yeah like ancestral dread you know like those things are all which introduces us to the concept that i think is strange where the toys in barbie land sort of know their toys yeah they know that the real world exists they know barbie land is a separate place and they believe that their work in barbie land has made the real world perfect for women right Uh, unbeknownst to like the reality of the real world right so the the barbies think that because they have all these jobs and are, um, are inspiring figures. Yeah, that whatever sexism has been cured in the real world. But this this brings up my next big quibble, <laughs> <laughs> my issue with the movie, and that is it is not clearly defined to what degree of self-consciousness or self-awareness these Barbies have. Because it looks like they're idyllic and they don't even have the ability to have negative thoughts. Yes. Which sort of makes them not human and well, not... No, they they often call people human. Right. M- indicating that they know that they are not. Yeah, So, but it's like one of our, our probably stipulations for self-awareness is like the range of human emotions that we display. So it's like... I think it's too deep for this movie, to be honest. <laughs> that's the thing, though, because it starts to ask you to contemplate things like this. Well, actually, but no, then maybe you go back right. and think like, wait a minute, these Barbies don't have full self-awareness because they cannot experience negative emotions. Is that the reference with space odyssey then I, I don't know like the fact that you're supposed to think about this like way too much I, I don't know because as far as we can tell when we're getting our slice of life the barbies do their program task like yeah astronaut barbie she's always astronaut she's always astronaut president barbie, barbie she's always president yeah stereotypical barbie gets a little bit of freedom because she can do anything stereotypical but at the same time almost nothing yeah she just claps and waves yeah she kind of just smiles and waves so it's like these um these strange creatures are sort of like a half-life yeah (laughs) and um it becomes very apparent with the kens later on uh i guess we can't quite discuss that yet but there's a strange 
like how much sympathy do should I feel for these characters when they're not really human? And then stereotypical Barbie comes our window into that world because she begins acting like a human. Yeah. So she travels to the real world and Ken tags along with her. Yes. Because yeah. he is insecure and the other Ken kind of goads him into it. Yeah. And he's like, I, and of course he wants her attention. So he, this is his idea of like getting more time with her. Right. And we're beginning to get the impression that Barbie doesn't actually like Ken, even no, though they're exactly. boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, I was gonna say he, even though he says we're boyfriend girlfriend, and he can come over to her house and yada yeah. yada yada, you can kind of tell that she wants to keep him at arm's length because there's literally a, a a part in the beginning where she tells him just to leave. Yeah, that's an important scene. We we actually forgot about that. She like says it's girls' night, <laughs> and then the, that he needs to leave. Yeah, so and he's, then he he's turns around out. and it's like every girl's. Every night is girls' night. Yeah, he, he wants to say the night, and she's like, "Why?" And he's like, "You know, I don't actually know." Yeah, <laughs> it's like they, these these toys don't have like full concept of like what everything is. Yeah, they seem to know as much as like as toys they would need to know. So it's like you know, Ken's Barbie's boyfriend. So like that's what he knows. Like I'm yeah. just a, a he boyfriend. wants to spend time with his girlfriend. Yeah, and um, so she's she begrudgingly lets him come along while they go to the real world. He ends up tagging along in the car secretly yeah. somehow. And then uh, the next part I really like is the sequence where they, they get to the real world. It's this very colorful and imaginative sequence where they take a bunch of different like Barbie toy vehicles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they do it a couple times. And I actually, I really like the scene. I thought I was just like, well this done. This is cute. Yeah. yeah it's, you don't see too much like that in cinema anymore. That was fun. Then they get to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> and in the real world, uh, they immediately are confronted with like <laughs> human emotions and like that. I think the first thing she's like, "Why do I feel so uneasy?" Yeah. instantly, and like because all these men are like ogling at her, and then they're ogling also Ken, and Ken's like, "I don't know, I feel great." Yeah, <laughs> so like the contrast yeah, is, like, is yeah, I don't immediately know. Like, apparent. It feels tinged with like admiration for me, and then she's like, "I don't know." There's like an undertone of violence for me. <laughs> so immediately, yeah, like. Those tones are immediately shot into the movie as soon as they get to the real world. Yeah, so in the real world, I wouldn't even really call it the real world. It's like a... It's a hyper-exaggerated. It's like a stereotypical... Like, like, if a feminist from the 80s told you to imagine... Yeah. Because most real people world. Like, wouldn't care. Like Most people don't even look at you unless... Yeah, because you know, there's doing... a scene where it's like Barbie gets the world and she's almost immediately sexually assaulted. She's and then she gets arrested. Yeah, well, like, she gets grabbed. Oh, no, yeah. She gets spanked or something. He, he grabs her butt. I think. Yeah, it's not explicit. And he punches... She punches him in the face and somehow goes to jail. Yeah, she goes to jail for that. But the like... cops are like, they're so in love. Like, she's so beautiful that like... Yeah, they're, she gets they're a, making get out of jail free card. Her. She's like, oh, he deserved it. It's fine, honey. And like, she's out on the street. And yeah. then two seconds later, like, we need to get out of these clothes. They're attracting too much attention. So they steal clothes and then go immediately back to jail again. And then immediately get another get out of jail free card because like she looks so cute. Yeah, it's this bizarre, stereotypical depiction of like a sexist world so where like, but at know, the, same time, the construction like, workers but it's are just like pigs. for and against her at the same time yeah, because she got a deal so. twice gets, uh, and she got to keep the clothes yeah she got to keep the clothes which they literally oh yeah they're just like ah just keep them just keep them you look great in them yeah so it's like it's kind of funny they're, they're playing both sides of that coin at the same time yeah so now we're in the real world and barbie has to find the, the little girl, girl yeah. that is sad presumably causing her to have these existential feelings 
So I think she has I, like she has like visions where she connects with the girl. Yeah. And she gets she, well, she tells Ken to go away so she can focus. Yeah. She and, tells Ken to just like leave. And then there's like a really funny sequence where I was and, gonna say this is like, yeah, we're gonna like basically spill into spoilers now. Yeah, I, I guess from this point on we'll have to go into spoilers. Because the the main crux of yeah, like, the second part of the movie. Yeah, I don't think the trailer show anything from the second half. Which so we is good for them because I mean that's good that's yeah. good trailer making because I'm kind of sick of trailers it's that just true. spoil the whole damn thing. Yeah. So, so we, I applaud it for that. From this point on, it's like you don't know anything. We don't have any idea where this movie's going. So they they go <laughs> they go to a school to find the girl. Yeah. Ken immediately walks into a library and finds out that men rule the world the real world <laughs> yeah because in ken's in barbie land ken's are like the diminished class <laughs> yeah. they have no power they can't do anything they're, they're completely subservient to the barbies exactly and so, they only exist to so in his eyes the you know the reverse is in the real world and yeah. he's like i can do stuff he's very empowered by this yeah some lady not, like asks him what time it is yeah and he thinks that's the coolest thing ever because like i guess it, his opinion has never been asked on anything exactly <laughs> and it's like it's it's not malicious yeah in any way it's very much like i'm important i'm i finally have like uh uh independence and like virtue and yeah. i and i matter it's like a hilarious reverse of like um i can i don't even know it's just like he he and he takes it and then he Goes to like a museum. No, he goes to a gym. He just starts wandering around the city. He just wanders around the city and sees all these men doing things. Yeah, and there's he's like so, a fun little sequence. Yeah, uh, it, a, a kind of reverse sequence from like the beginning because you see Barbie walking around. Yeah, Barbie Land, waving at all the Barbies doing every job in Barbie Land. So yeah. he's walking around seeing guys do every job in the real world, right. and he's getting empowered by this, and uh, literally picks up a book about patriarchy. So the big <laughs> word in the movie is patriarchy. Yeah. So have you heard? Uh, I, I'm surprised the movie's only been out for one day, but there's already the Barbie drinking game. And they're like, if you drink every time you hear the word patriarchy, I did not you, you die. One hundred percent you die. And unfortunately it's true. They say the word patriarchy about uh two hundred times yeah. probably. One hundred percent. Yeah, so Ken is having a little self discovery moment and he's like, Wow, I'm important out here. But my favorite bit is um He's looking oh. at like old fashioned things. Yeah. And he sees Stallone. He from sees like Stallone. The Peach Rocky, Stallone. Yeah. Rocky 2, Rocky 3 era. I think it was three, three or four when he was fighting uh, Drago. Yeah. And he's shredded out of his mind wearing and, like a huge yeah. mink coat. Yeah. 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 So he sees it. And then later on, he shows up with it on. It's pretty yeah, funny. It's pretty great. And yeah. apparently, it's a real Barbie accessory. Really? Which is, well, that's what that was showing. Like, yeah. This yeah, is the real on. Barbie accessory, which is hilarious. Yeah, so in the meantime, Ken is having his sort of self-discovery in the real world. Barbie is in pursuit. She believes she's found the girl. And she finds her at the school and has like a little like introduction moment. Yeah. And then the little girl chews her out. Yeah, really. And oh it's my basically God. just like, Barbie sucks. Like, no one plays with Barbie anymore. And then... Yeah, we hate you. Yeah, she throws a bunch of you insults. You make us feel bad because yeah. you're so perfect. And then she eventually... It eventually culminates in her calling her a fascist. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. This, yeah, this is one of the greater jokes. And then um, Barbie shook up by this because she's like, I thought that we had like solved everything and like we were these yeah. role models for girls. So shattering her worldview. And she goes off and cries. And she has like a really funny moment. Or she's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't control the railways or like the commerce or anything. Like, I'm not a fascist. <laughs> 
like going by like the actual definition of fascist instead of the modern day like i don't like you therefore you're a fascist yeah oh my god that really sent me i remember that was like one of the better ones yeah it's really funny so i don't do that at all why did you call me that yeah so she's crying having a moment i think that's when she first learns to cry right yeah like yeah but yeah she makes her cry and that's like the first time she's like I gotta go, and she just runs off and starts crying. Yeah, so Barbie's having basically she's running, actual human she's emotions. She's speed running human emotions. Yeah, the whole gamut of human emotions. And then let's see. After that, Ken comes back, and he has like all these books. He's like super excited. Yeah, and he's really big into horses and trucks now. Yeah, horses and trucks. <laughs> Apparently, the two most masculine things in the world. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I didn't know about horses. I knew about I knew trucks. About trucks. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's like the stereotype. Either you're into like trucks yeah. or horses, or cowboy, or you're so a car guy. Then the Mattel company company begins introducing the movie, and they seem like they're almost going to be like a uh, a villainous. Yeah, they thing, seem like they're going to be the villains. But spoilers, they end up being completely worthless. They don't neutral. even have to be in the movie. Yeah. So we spend some time getting to know the Mattel boardroom for some reason. Which is uh, the main person is Yeah, and the Mattel company is aware that Barbies can come to the real world. Yes, yeah. It's strange. So we have Barbie Land, which is completely fictional in the real world. And then Mattel sort of acts as like this gate in between where it's like, they're a real company, but they also know about magic and whimsical stuff, I guess. Yeah, and they they act... Like we we're talking about, they, they act almost similarly to Barbie Land. They have like little rules and yeah. stuff. They all dress the same. They're they're very whimsical. They're very whimsical, and it seems like their building itself is like somewhat yeah. like magical. Yeah, it does seem that way. Like they, there's a point where um, they open like a door, and it's like the Matrix hallway, and there's all these doors. Yeah, and it's stuff. weird. It's like it gets really cerebral. You're like, what is going on in this movie? It's just like they keep. Yeah, it's, Every it's strange conceptually, but they fun keep visually. Bending their own, yeah, oh yeah, fun visually. They keep changing their rules, but it it just keep you keep watching. It's yeah. not like a. It doesn't seem like take itself too seriously. Yeah, just enjoy the ride. I it's guess. a it's a comedy. Yeah, so <laughs> then it turns out the secretary for the Mattel company. Oh yeah, there's a little twist, and that's the one that's actually playing with the Barbie. She's having some in her vision. Yeah, yeah, she's having some emotional distancing issues with her daughter. Yes, and. The whole time Barbie thought it was the daughter which she chased after at school, mm-hmm. but it's actually the mother. So Mattel becomes aware of Barbie being uh, linked to this person. Right. And they come together at the school. And then by pure chance, the receptionist, who is the mother of the daughter, comes to pick her daughter up at school and at she sees same. Barbie. Yeah. And then we enter sort of like the second half of the movie where Barbie's escaping from the Mattel people, sort of. Yeah, and Ken goes back to Barbie Land yeah. to show everyone patriarchy. Ken decides to go back to Barbie Land because he's like, wow, I found this great thing out there. We and have value out there. Yeah, and he's like, sees Barbie getting taken. He's like, she'll be fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I don't even care anymore. Well, they just don't even have the con- concept to deal with, like, you know, danger. anything negative or yeah. danger. So it's like, like everything's fine. Everything's fine. That, yeah. That's Mattel. Oh, they, oh, yeah, it's Mattel. Like, they, he knows about Mattel, too. Yeah, they know their toys. They know about Mattel. And um, so he goes back to tell the other Kens. Yeah. And in the meantime, they have these adventures, uh, Barbie, the daughter, and the mother. Oh, yeah. What? Tell me if you, like, notice this when there's, like, the uh, little chase scene when they get Barbie back and it's the mom and the daughter uh, being chased by the uh, two Suburbans. Is that a CGI car? 
don't know. Probably. It looked CGI. <laughs> I it was very odd. Like they do a couple stunts. Yeah. And it was like the car looked fake. Maybe. And I was just like, wait, can we not even do like a regular like car stunt anymore? <laughs> like, Maybe they, they wasted all the budget on the sets. Like, oh. I mean, I imagine it costs more to like have a car. I don't yeah. know. So the, there's a chase sequence, which is not what I expected in the Barbie movie. Not at all. And then um, there's some like bonding stuff, blah, blah, blah. Barbie tells the mother and daughter about her woes. And then, I don't know, something, something, solu- something. Well, she thinks her solution to fixing all this is bringing them to Barbie land. Right. So ultimately, after some stuff, they decide they're going to go to Barbie land. And the mother and daughter, the daughter like doesn't want to go at all because she's in her grumpy teen phase. Yeah. She, she, she What is the word they keep using? Like, tween. Tween. They keep she calls saying, herself a tween, which I feel like no tween has ever done. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think anybody takes that word as a respectful term. Yeah. So, hey, she wants to self-identify as a tween, whatever. Whatever, it's 2023. Yeah, I haven't heard that word in a while since this movie, actually. Yeah, not another tween movie. Yeah, so probably 10 minutes elapses and I couldn't tell you what happened. I don't remember. (laughs) I couldn't. But eventually they get back to Barbie land. And Barbie's about to be like, oh, guys, I can't wait to see Barbie land. It's so cool. Women are awesome here. Yeah, it's perfect. And she expects it to be the way she left it. Right. But then the, the twist is Ken has come back and introduced patriarchy to Barbie land and everything's changed. Everything's changed. The guys are in charge and they have, uh, you know, beer drinking what, frat house type parties. Yeah. And they're having all day. Well, what's the thing? It's the Malibu no, dojo, like something mojo, dojo, mojo casa dojo, house. Casa house. Yeah. And they, it, cause it was kind of referenced in the beginning that Ken's don't have dream houses. Like Ken's, Barbie. Yeah, Ken's don't have dream houses. They literally don't know where they go at night. Yeah. Barbies don't know what the Ken's so do at finally, night. <laughs> the Ken's are all excited cause they finally have a home to sleep in, yeah. which is like immensely depressing and hilarious. Yeah. So this, this is when I, I started getting really disappointed with the movie because, uh, I was hoping it would be more fish out of water, Barbie in the real world. Yeah, have they, like, yeah, they run to the real world and come right back. Yeah, they run to the real world and they come right back. And then we get introduced to the the patriarchy section of the movie, where I started to kind of roll my eyes. And I was like, yeah, like if you asked me to predict cynically what this movie was going to be about, and you're like, okay, so Greta Gerwig is directing and writing this movie. You know, a pretty well-renowned feminist filmmaker. I wonder what it will be. Yeah, so if, if you're going to be like, all right, cynically, gun to your head, Doom Prophet, tell me what this plot's going to be. I'll be like, oh, uh, it's going to be about the patriarchy or 200. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It does. It switches its focus to be sort of a, a criticism, I guess, of they, a uh, patriarchal society. They kind of forget about Barbie's like emotions and cellulite yeah. for a minute. We, completely. we get completely distracted from Barbie. To main retake criticism. the Barbie government from Ken. Yeah. <laughs> so and, the whole second half of the movie is so confused as to what it wants to do. There's, a lot of stuff that happens and they have to wrap it up all so quickly and they don't have a good method for doing so that everything feels rushed to me. Well, they, Despite gets, feeling like the movie's just dragging. Yeah. It, well, it kind of gets wrapped up with a nice musical. Again, yeah, I do with love Ken, that. With Ken dance, all the Kens dancing and a fantastic song. It was like, Ken, anywhere else I'd be at 10. <laughs> the, like, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great little song and like, you know, they're running around dancing and, you know. Yeah, so after the mother and Barbie and the daughter come back to the world, they're dismayed because uh, all the Barbies 
seem to be happy on the surface in their new subservient roles. So they kind of oh, just right, hang yeah. out with the houses and they like they have beer and the Kens like to make them watch Godfather. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. all like very <laughs> stereotypical, stereotypical guy. Things. There's lots of horse imagery, there's lots of trucks. They drive trucks, they have their dream houses or their whatever mojo dojo. Yeah. And in the meantime, the Mattel Corporation is trying to come back to the Barbie world, but the movie forgets about them for like 30 minutes. Yeah, it takes them a long time to get there. Yeah, it takes them a long time to get there because they were chasing them. And then (laughs) the the patriarchy conflict is over. Patriarchy conflict is over. It takes like a half an hour. So Barbie gives up temporarily. And then we get an eye rolling monologue from the mother about the, uh, the difficulties of women being in a society. Yeah. And the, the contrast of being like a mother, yeah. but also a woman and also career. <laughs> and I realized list all these things. Yeah. Um, that, you know, men go through a lot of those things too, to be honest. But at the same time, it's, it's incredibly eye rolling and it somehow snaps all these Barbies out of their head to get them to go back to being the independent Barbies. I, I, it's hard to say. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna if, drop my my new theory. Oh, this is, this is this is groundbreaking. Oh no! So <laughs> so the mother gives a speech. It's very impassioned, and yes. it's about the difficulties of being a mother and the contradictory experiences of being a woman in the real world. And for the first like I don't know maybe minute, you're you're feeling it right. But then, no, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it goes on so long. Eventually. It goes on so long, and they. Yeah. yeah, so what I believe this is, is when did women get rights? Was it like 1960s? When was the suffrage movement? Uh, before that. So, yeah, I, I, my history is terrible, but women have been hard at work for, what, close to a century now? Oh, a century or more. Yeah, so they're catching up to a whole genre of movies about living in a society like things like taxi driver where men men complain about how hard society is to them right and i think finally or women they, have they caught make a up. fight club reference even at one point yeah too. so i think this is uh this is women catching up and it's like now they're they're full members of society and they realize like wait this this sucks yeah <laughs> so this is like the taxi driver for women i think you're right where it's, it's like yeah instead of you know travis bickle or what is the name it's, pickle uh, yeah what can yeah, so instead of Travis so Pickle and like or uh, Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden complaining about how hard it is to be a man in society, it's how, literally Barbie. Yeah, it's it's the mother from Barbie telling you about how hard it is to be a woman in society. Yeah. So it's like we we're finally equal. We've caught up. We did it. We did it. This is it. Yeah. This is the <laughs> this is the taxi driver. This is the fight club for girls. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like yeah, the complaining of like yeah, this is bullshit. Yeah. I don't or like the this. Costanza. We live in a society. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So we we get she, along. Yeah, she literally does that like five <laughs> different times in a row. Yeah. Like. Uh. So yeah, we we get the big speech about how hard it is to be in society, and you know, it's it's all true stuff. It's all true stuff. Yeah. I'm not not to diminish the actual experience of women in, in the modern world. Yeah. It's it's tough out there. It's tough out there, <laughs> and it's tough for men too. But everyone suffers. Yeah. So it's like as now, the, as the Buddhists say, we all suffer in our own way. We're finally on equal grounds. We're all suffering out here together. So. um at this point, we're both suffering in terms of the movie too, because yeah, uh, we're kind of waiting for it at the end. It's very confused. It doesn't know what it wants to do. So this this speech, impassioned speech, deprograms because Weird Barbie this whole time was trying to figure out how to get these Barbies back to normal. They she say seems deprogram, but it seems like they have taken a new direction though. Yeah. at the same time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This whole movie in the back half gets really sloppy. 
Yeah. The first half is like pretty tightly written, snappy, fun, and then the back half is like, oh, well, I gotta put all this stuff in and like write this and yeah, it's such jamming stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's real sloppy. So Weird Barbie was trying to figure out how to fix things because she appears to be unaffected, and there's a few other like throwaway Barbies that just like yeah, there's like five of them. Yeah, like, like discontinued Barbies that seem unaffected, and they they have a, a deprogramming montage montage, and it takes forever. Yeah, it's. And uh, <laughs> their plan is they distract the Kens by being bimbos. Yeah. And then they steal the Barbies and deprogram them. So once all the Barbies are deprogrammed, the sequence is still going on. You're like, dang, how are they ever going to solve this problem? Yeah. And the they... Kens were going to ratify a new constitution that would give right. them, I don't know, power? Maybe ultimate power? I'm not even sure. Yeah, they're planning on making ken's presidents forever yeah something like that oh but we forgot i think the big emotional thing that makes our barbie give up stereotypical barbie is she comes back and her house is taken over by ken we did skip the gosling ken yeah and eventually there's some sort of big confrontation and he reverses the role he reverses the roles and there's like this emotional moment where because gosling's actually a good actor they they reverse the moment they had earlier where Barbie kicks him out and she's like, it's girls night. And then Gosling's just like really emotional, you know, like, and he's like, it's boys night. Yeah. It's boys night. And then he's just like, doesn't feel so good. Does it? Yeah. Like on the like, verge of tears. Yeah. It's like on the verge of tears. Yeah, and he like, runs dang. back inside to party with the boys. Gosling just like, you know, full acting chops. And, um, is weird because at this point, Ken is essentially the villain of the movie. Yeah. Mattel, Seems like they're going to be the villain, but they actually don't do anything. They're like, like I said, they're, they're straight neutral. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, the villain is either the patriarchy or Ken. Or, or just like the ideas of the real world. Yeah. And at this point, Ken is probably the, either the most sympathetic or second most sympathetic character to Barbie. Yeah. So it's like Ken is sort of having his, his revenge and he's the villain, but it's like, He's almost kind of right. It's weird. Yeah, because right, he was—he didn't have a home. He, he didn't have abused. a home. He's just the only thing he knew was to try to get attention from Barbie, and she didn't want it. Yeah, he's an accessory, and unfortunately, he was treated seems, like an object. Yeah, he doesn't really have full free will. He's no, he like doesn't. programmed to love Barbie. Yeah. So like, he's basically just like, he's I have one his job. I have one function, and like, you don't want that. So what am I supposed to do? Yeah, he's in tatters. It's really weird because. And I'm he not seems yeah, like I don't know how to villain. feel about it either. To be I don't honest. know how to feel about it. Like, it's, how does this movie want me to feel? Does this movie want me to be cheering against him? Well, in the end, they don't even like uh, uh, punish him. No, no, he's not punished. And he things go back to normal. And yeah. they're like, if anything, Ken's have a slightly higher position in their society yeah, than they so did the, before. The so what happens is it. Yeah, they, they try to give them uh, the some Kens initial rights. The had plans to ratify a vote for a new constitution in Barbie land. Yeah. And the Barbies are like, we're going to have to distract the Kens. And the way we're going to do that is pit them against each other. Yeah, they have like a war. And this scene is is really cynical. So the Barbies all take out their respective Kens to the beach. And they're having a romantic thing. Yeah. And the, best, the, way, yeah. <laughs> the best way to get the Kens to fight each other is to pit them against each other in a jealousy. So Barbie pretends to be super interested in Ken. Yeah. And then she goes and hangs out with another Ken. And then like they all do that. They all start swapping partners. In a chain. Yeah. And then it drives the Kens crazy. And they eventually decide to have a war. 
And that's a really fun sequence. I was yeah. I was really enjoying the war sequence. No, yeah, I enjoyed the war sequence. I enjoyed when they like came up to each other and like sparkles started yeah. coming out of their chest and stuff. <laughs> so Simu Liu has a faction and Ryan Gosling has a faction. Yeah. And they go to war. And in the meantime, the Barbies fix a constitution because they Ken's forgot to vote. And it's my <laughs> one of my favorite parts in the whole movie, too, that randomly someone gets shot by a real gun. Remember? It was a real gun? It was a real gun. Someone oh. gets shot by a real gun, and he's like, oh my god, are the real guns here? And Will Ferrell just goes, no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, so... It, but it was just the one thing. Everything else is like toys. Yeah, during the war, Mattel finally shows back up. They get to Barbie Land. Yeah. And they do nothing. Yeah, they get shot. They don't, <laughs> they don't start the war. They don't stop the war. They go hide. They they come in at the tail end, and eventually the the war between the kins turns into a musical number. Yeah, dancing. That was and then really they're on enjoyable. the same side again, and then they realize <laughs> they've run out of time on yeah. voting for the constitution, which yeah. doesn't make sense. So but the, sure. the kins eventually realize, like, wait a minute, we're fighting over nothing, and then they're like, oh, we forgot to vote, and that's it, and that's it, and then that it cuts to Barbie and ev- and President Barbie and everybody, and they all vote Barbie power forever. Barbie power forever. And then they sort of have this what's the lesson we learned thing where Barbie talks to Ken and then she's like, I never loved you, never had any feelings for you. You have to figure out who you are without me defining you. She's like, you're not your girlfriend. Yeah. And while she's giving the speech to him, she's realizing that like she's not her house. She's not her car. She's not the things that she's bought as Barbie. Yeah, which is like literally the Fight Club moment. Of- it's pretty much the Fight Club moment. So she's delivering a speech to Ken that has two meanings. And one is for him and one is for her. So yeah. Ken has to define himself without Barbie. Which is good. Which is good. And she has to define herself not as the things she does or her job or her her possessions. Because she's she was obsessed at one moment by not having a career. Right. Like she thought she needed something extra. Yeah, but all but the, her realization is that she is enough. Basically, she's enough. She is her own thoughts and feelings, and those are enough to be herself. Yeah, so she should be happy with that. There's like a wrap up moment, and all of the Kens and all the Barbies are sort of involved. The Barbies go back to their normal jobs, and the Kens somewhat get elevated from their previous subservient position. I think they lo- literally use the word circuit court judge. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> The Kens are like, can we have a Supreme Court justice? And the Barbie Barbie president is like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they also sort of accept weird Barbie back into society, which is mean in the first place. Yeah. Like, the fact Sorry that we called you weird Barbie to your face and behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> I love their like they I love how dry a lot of the humor is. Yeah. And it makes it it makes it like definitely worth it to see this movie. If you like dry humor at all, you're gonna like this movie. Yeah. So then um I don't remember what the Mattel Corporation is doing at this point. They're there. They, they were just wanting everything to go back to normal, yeah, so they just they're make doing toys. nothing. They no, they serve just, no purpose. They serve no purpose other than to like to be like, oh yeah, we just want to make sure you go back to normal, right. And sell toys. So at this point, you might think the movie would be over. No, <laughs> why would it be over? Yeah, why would it be over? So <laughs> the movie's already dragging, and we're like, okay, we've had all these resolutions for the character arcs. Then the movie randomly, randomly, randomly does the Pinocchio. I want to be a real boy for Barbie. And she meets the ghost again, yeah. that, uh, the original creator of Barbie. Right. And she had met her earlier in a chase sequence that was sort of weird. Like, yeah. And it didn't tell you who this woman was directly. No, not at all. I kind of was going to guess that, yeah. who it was, because I mean, it, it would make sense. It would make sense. And she literally started talking to her and she's like, oh, wait, you're the one who created Barbie? She's like, yeah, do you think I would make her look like me? Yeah. Yeah, like nobody's perfect like you. You're your own thing. Yeah. And like that's, you're, you can't 
live up to Barbie and Barbie's not going to live up to you. So it's like, it's kind of this dual thing. And so she's like, can I become human? Yeah. <laughs> Which is the ultimate, like, it just takes, weird a, thing. It takes another turn. It takes another huge turn. And you're like, why is it taking this turn? Yeah. So they have this really also, they're, emotional they're, scene. They're in a void. Yeah, I was going to say, they're in, they're in a void. And she's like, you don't need my permission to become human, darling. You're just, you can just do it. You're your own thing. You can yeah. make your own choices. But then she's like, but if you're going to become human, you have to know what it comes with. Yeah. And there's sort of a weird montage of just like human emotions. Yeah. And I'm just like, wrap it up, guys. <laughs> and and <laughs> basically this whole up. scene was for the ultimate uh, punchline of the movie, yeah. which is... She goes. She, so, yeah, to say after the void, she sees in the car. The real world. She sees in the car. She's getting dropped off, and you think she's gonna go for big job. Yeah. She's gonna get a job like she always wanted, yeah. right? She's going to the gynecologist. Yeah. <laughs> she finally has a vagina. Yeah. It's great because yeah, earlier in the movie, um, oh yeah, they they basically they just really said they're like, yeah, but it's smooth down there. We yeah, got yeah. nothing. They have some references to the um, first Kate McKinnon as the weird Barbie. It's like, oh. You're the stereotypical Barbie. You've got that can. I like to see that smooth bulge. Under yeah. <laughs> and then when they're in the real world, um, the, the construction workers are harassing them. Yeah. And she's just straight up like, no, we don't have genitals. And they're like, that's all right. Yeah, just, and they know, don't care. So, <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> yeah. So the Barbie movie ends on a punchline. Um, she's going to the gynecologist. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. It was not, pretty funny. Not it was, pretty funny. Not, it was uh, but kind of a long setup for that long joke, setup. to be honest. Yeah. You got to wait the whole movie for the payoff. So yeah, in the end, um, I think my big criticism, my big big criticism at the end, is this movie was brave enough to go like the whole patriarchy angle. So yeah. they they decided we're like we're committing to this feminist movie. Yeah, maybe that's fine because Barbie's girls' toys, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. This, this is, is not this is not a movie not for us to be honest. Yeah, probably not for us. And they have that big monologue that. I, I, my, my conspiracy theory is like, this is the female taxi driver, the female fight club now. Yeah. Which is fine. We're living in a society. Yeah. Like I'm, I imagine when girls watch those movies, they don't yeah, like hit it. Them yet. Yeah. It doesn't hit. They doesn't don't care hit. about taxi driver. <laughs> uh, so my big criticism is that it has the bravery to go for that and commit to that. But then the end of the movie gets so muddled with what the message is because yeah. the Barbies are definitely abusing the Kens. Yeah. And at the end, they don't really give him much. And they're just like, you know, when the real world is fixed, then maybe you can be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, they don't go for equality. They go for yeah. the reverse. And then they have the confusing stuff with Barbie telling Ken that he should divide himself outside of his girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. It it doesn't seem to hard commit to any one message at the end. And yeah. that is my criticism. Yeah. Because I think this movie wants to have its cake and eat it, too. Where at the end, it's like, oh, it's up to interpretation. Like, how did you take that movie? You know, yeah. what did you think the ending meant? And I'm like, no, I think that's bullshit. I'd I think rather you not. You should have committed to a message and you should have told me what it was. Yeah. And you should have been proud of that message. But it's also a comedy, so it doesn't necessarily stick to those rules. Yeah, but if it was going to be a hard comedy, did they have to do the patriarchy rule route? Because, like, that's so tired at this point. But at the same time, they did play it for laughs. They played it mostly for laughs. Yeah. I will give that to this movie. It is funny. Yeah. And I do think it is worth seeing. Yeah, definitely see it. On visuals alone. Yeah. My, my kudos to Greta. I thought yeah. it was excellently directed. And cast. Oh my God, this cast is beautiful. Yeah, cast is beautiful. It was really nice seeing a movie with no ugly people. 
<laughs> that's just the reality uh, of Barbie. Which is hilarious, yeah. Yeah, everyone's good looking. Everyone's fantastic. All right, should we move on to Oppenheimer? You want to see anything else about Barbie? No, I think we're good. As a second part of the Barbieheimer, obviously we watched Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah. Do you call this a biopic or is it a documentary? Um, I would say biopic because there's no dates or anything. Like it yeah. doesn't try to be hyper specific. Right. It's very vague and uh, cerebral. Ironically, both Barbie and Oppenheimer had that in common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're both uh, fairly cerebral. They're both fairly uh, in your head. Yeah, I think it's really funny. Both these movies released the same day because basically whoever chose a release day second, you know, there's like, there's probably not a lot of overlap between Barbie and Oppenheimer. And then, then like this meme emerged where you like go yeah. see. Him. I did like a poll on my Instagram and like these amount of people were going to see both. Yeah. Like some people are like, ah, oh, just Oppenheimer, just Barbie. But then I talked to them. They're like, no, I'm seeing both. It's not the same day. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. So people want to see both these movies. There's, there is a lot of overlap actually. Yeah. Honestly, um, Barbie's probably going to be opening to more just because it's PG 13. That's Oppenheimer's true. R. Yeah. And R is pretty much like the, uh, this is a hard R by the, the way. That's the death, <laughs> the death tone for, uh, a this is, movie. uh, extended graphic nudity in yeah, this thing. There's a surprising Don't, this will be my first thing to say. Don't watch this with your parents or anybody <laughs> you you care to not watch anything graphic with. Yeah, surprisingly, uh there was that I didn't actually expect that. So as a a well, pleb here, give give your synopsis first. Yeah, so as a pleb going into the Oppenheimer movie with only a cursory uh you know, historical knowledge of Oppenheimer, I expected this to right. be Almost entirely about the Manhattan Project. Right. And my synopsis is that is maybe half the movie. So <laughs> what I gathered from it, the movie starts uh, after the Manhattan Project chronologically. And Oppenheimer, yeah. his security clearance and basically his allegiance to the United States is in question. Right. There's this sort of like secret council done in, you know, yeah, behind closed doors. It's not public. It's the Cold War era. Yeah, Cold period. War, McCarthyism, stuff like that. And... There, there's a council that is is just viciously tearing up Oppenheimer's past. Yeah, everything, every association he's ever made, every decision he's ever made is being questioned, and that council or tribunal, like what would you call that? Uh, just, they call, literally called a kangaroo court. Kangaroo I, court I would say yeah. the same so thing. So that serves as sort of like the narrative device for the movie. Yes, and that moves us along. So Oppenheimer is discussing about his own yeah he's life. discussing his life remembering his life and um we're introduced to many characters and since i didn't have any knowledge of this historical these historical events i had no idea where this movie was going i was like wow i didn't know about this and um yeah like i think only I about half is a manhattan project so well i mean as the one, yeah, you know, the one of us who has a history degree. I knew about a decent amount of these things. I didn't know about right. the details of the specific characters. I right. knew he was uh, kangaroo courted for you know being a communist, you know, not being a communist for being associated with communists. Yeah. Communist. His family members were communists. <laughs> There's actually a twist that I think only works if you're not super familiar with the history. Yes. Yeah. So I guess really all I can say for the synopsis is like. There's this kangaroo court that's digging through his history, and it ends up being a pretty exhaustive history of Oppenheimer. Yeah. It's not just the Manhattan Project. It's literally his entire uh, 
school career. Yeah, and most of his professional life. And most of his professional life. And much of his personal life. And extreme amounts of his personal life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my synopsis. This kangaroo court serves as a narrative device to be the details uh, or show the details of Oppenheimer's life and his work on the Manhattan Project. Yep, yep. Um, How would you describe it? Like that's the best I can do. No, that's perfect. This I movie mean, is long, so I, I think it's absurd for us to even pretend we're going to do a synopsis for the whole thing. Yeah, it's well at the same time. Uh, let's say if we recommend it to. Yeah, um, um, I would recommend this movie. Uh, I think you should probably have an interest in Oppenheimer if you're going to see it, though. Yeah, it's hard to say how much I want to recommend it because I'm stuck in the middle. Yeah, I will be honest and say I don't think this movie has broad appeal. No. I think this is a niche movie for history nerds. History like nerds me. or people who are interested in the formation of the nuclear era. Because as a like a history, you know, biopic kind of thing, it is very good. Yeah. It's very interesting and Cillian Murphy looks just like him. Yeah. It's very it's very good. I love him. Excellent perfect, casting. Perfect he's one of my casting. favorite actors anyway. Yeah, so. on top of that, he's an excellent actor and you can feel it, every scene he just is you you forget he's there. Yeah. You feel like it's, you know, he's the character. It's him. So I recommend it. Um it's not the nuke movie. Yeah. Don't go in thinking it's a nuke movie. Yeah, that's that's actually my impression as well. Surprised. So going to IMAX and being like, oh, I'm going to see the nuke in perfect IMAX, right. whatever. Yeah, so shall we just jump straight ahead? And I'll say that's probably what I was most disappointed with, is sure. the nuke scene was not as cool as I thought it was going to be. It was really not. I was, yeah, I was also slightly disappointed by that too. It was, yeah, because it was some, there. Some of the promotional hype for this movie is like, they got a real bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the part they, yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. So I would say this movie's like chopped into thirds. Yeah. There's the first third where he's in academia and like growing. The middle third is uh, Los, uh, Los Alamos. Los? Los Alamos. Yeah. Los Alamos and Manhattan the Trinity Project. Project. Yeah. And uh, a Trinity test and you know, the whole Manhattan Project. And then the last part, which is the um, is after that point where his like semi-political career and yeah. trying to influence the uh, the use of these bombs. And then also the proceedings of the kangaroo court, I guess. Which is all kind of tied in. Yeah, it's all tied in together. So you most of the visuals in this movie are dedicated to the way he sees atoms and the world yeah which makes sense because the way his mind works and how he his genius in influencing the way this project happened so he basically like will envision you'll get these really cool like ideas of how atoms are moving electrons yeah all these different stuff all those visuals i enjoyed all the visuals and i feel like they could have gone even harder for yeah, the nuke scene. Agreed. When, yeah. yeah, then they finally do that. And because it kind of pulled that back for a minute because it basically showed everyone else's reaction to the bomb. Yeah, showed everyone's reactions first and, and then, then the explosion. Yeah. And um, of course, I, I almost the, felt tricked because the trailers make it seem like it's very nuke focused, right? But most of the scenes where you see things you think are nuke. Like, it, like if you had a, like a microscope on like what's happening in a nuke, 
and you you know they have the uh, fire bursting out. It, yeah. Most of those scenes are dedicated to his work on discovering the idea of a black hole. Yeah, which happened right around this the beginning yeah, of World earlier. War Two. So his work initially was based around the idea of densities and how what happens to stars when they die, if they die, can light but you know, be a physical thing and a wavelength like yeah all these kind of theory. like ideas and theories and how they work into you know being a black hole and how those things work eventually into you know splitting the atom and you know creating bombs yeah and all that stuff is cool but i also couldn't help but feel that this is a movie more suited to someone who had more of an inclination towards that period of history because this movie has an enormous cast yeah of a ton of scientists that you probably have heard of if you're an enthusiast for this period of history not an enthusiast but uh, i you know you hear some of these names yeah so it's like, like oh i knew that one yeah <laughs> so it's like obviously you know heisenberg, and heisenberg you, you know oppenheimer yeah you probably know um sellers maybe and um einstein but there's there's a whole bunch of people and i couldn't help but think like oh okay this movie is it would be fantastic for someone who's like a little more of a history nerd than i am yeah because you'd be getting these like cool insights between the characters, and they which don't may or do not little, be fictionalized. I don't know. Yeah, and but they, and they don't do little intros like this is so and so. These are the top of his class, or this and this and the. You know, they'll they'll do little handshakes and be like, "I've read your work on Adams. They're great." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's all you really get. If so, if you don't know anything, it's kind of lackluster in that sense. Yeah, you're kind of left is behind. It, is it a little difficult to keep track of the characters? I, I want to say it is. I want to say it is. Yeah, because he also has people coming and quitting so it's like hard to keep track of like who's on the project at any given time not only things people are coming and quitting and you know the project's moving forward but we're also cutting throughout time as yeah well. right and we're seeing these characters along different times that oppenheimer has seen them so it's either during the kangaroo court which is the time of now right in terms of the movie and then there's the period of which he is teaching in college or being a professor rather, sorry, and um, time at the Manhattan Project and then afterwards. So you're seeing all these things at the same time, yeah. essentially. And you're getting a little confused. Yeah, so it's it's cutting back and forth. It is confusing, but I did manage to follow most of it, I think. No, I'll say I followed it pretty well, but yeah. at the same time, I could see someone being just like, yeah, if someone, the people to my right... If someone complained to me about com- being confused, I would be like, yeah, I, I, I get it. Because the couple to my right kept asking each other stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, like, so that, like, I, that I, I like literally looked at them and point and was like, hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, can we just watch the movie? We'll ask each other later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um. so I am going to say that this does seem a little less of a layman's movie. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan's movie. He knew what he wanted. He so. knew exactly what he wanted. He's like, I'm going to make an R-rated biopic about someone. So, like, that's already, like, this movie's not going to make any money. No. Well, I mean, maybe it is because the, the Barbieheimer. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, before it gets out that, like, this is not about yes. the bomb. But also, I, I do feel cheated because I felt like the trailers yes. very much made it seem like, oh, this is going to be about the culmination of human scientific I mean, achievement. Right, you know. How many trailers have tricked you before? Yeah, but come on. It's Christopher Nolan. If you, you make a you movie really about think... the Manhattan Project, yeah. I expect it to be a little more It's focused. not about the Manhattan Project. It's about Oppenheimer. It is about Oppenheimer. And the movie is called Oppenheimer, so shame on me. But yeah. And you get... well, I guess, you know, since we're on gripes, we'll yeah. talk about 
the the gripe that you told me before the movie started, which I was hoping wouldn't be true. <laughs> yeah, I heard rumors. You, he heard rumors, and you told me before the movie that the the, the scene that I I would have loved to death, which is when Oppenheimer has the statement. Yeah, his infamous quote. His infamous quote. Uh, you want I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Like you've probably seen that printed how many times in your life? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's fairly like synonymous with that project. It's yeah. fairly synonymous with the edge of the world being just you know the world destroying itself. Yeah, and it's, it's such a powerful statement. It's such a powerful itself. statement and such a self realization of what he's done. Yeah, and it's first said. <laughs> During a extremely graphic sex scene. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I, I like, couldn't believe no, it either. And why? I was like, and I was just like, why? Yeah. yeah. So apparently. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know. I don't know if Oppenheimer wrote in a diary note somewhere. Like, I hope And then she true. made me recite the line. Yeah. <laughs> as like things were happening. Yeah, and I'm just so, like, please, this is not I, the I, way I imagined this line to be said. Oppenheimer is portrayed as a womanizer, which I suppose is true. But it's true. I he's mean, pretty much a sleaze bag. Yes and no. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's not very, not very moral, or at least with he's his not morals very moral, when it comes to his and he's wife. Not very, uh, yeah, he's not very loyal. Not very loyal. So I was gonna say because there's like multiple women. Yeah, he is. Actually, this particular one is important to the story because the she is time, a communist member. Yeah, which is where I would like to point out though that the the woman he is. Uh, cheating with it also is cheating on her husband so yeah, it's not like she was cheaters, any more loyal yeah. than uh than he is yeah, she's no she's no saint either she's on her third husband i think she's on her third husband and she her, resents her kids yeah, she her, drinks her, every second of the day her affair with oppenheimer was like happening during a marriage so. yeah <laughs> and she got pregnant so yeah. he divorces his first wife to marry her yeah, it's it's uh, a mess. It's, it's a whole mess. This the, guy's life is a mess. This particular sequence i guess was important because this woman he's fooling around with while well, he has the the scene is a communist party member. Yeah. So because they knew he had an associate, that's, it comes back to bite him. Yeah. That not just his yeah. wife, but even the way the scene happens is so weird. So like we're, we're told earlier in the movie that Oppenheimer can learn languages pretty easily. Apparently. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he learns Dutch in six weeks or less. Yeah. Something like that. So in this this sex it just shows that he's a genius he's a genius yeah they call him the golden boy of science yeah so (laughs) during the sex scene she gets up from bed just goes to the bookshelf pulls i believe it's uh the god of the viet was bagada the something don't ask me to pronounce it yeah then it's a famous hindu book yes and she opens up and there's sanskrit yeah and she's like read this and he's like Right now, right now, <laughs> and I'm just like right now, right, and I'm like yeah, right and now. Like, oh, this is a part where Vishnu is. She's like no, 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 read it. No, read but it, it says exactly. Word. It's like I am become death, destroyer of worlds. And, you're like, and I was like no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much my exact reaction. Uh, it was cringy and terrible. Yeah. I did not like it because but and he says it again. He says it again later when the bomb is going not cool off. anymore. It's not cool anymore, and it only thing it does in the movie at that point is make you think back to that scene. Yeah. It brings you back to that scene. And I don't know if Christopher Nolan realized that would happen because that's all I could, you know, it, it's okay. It's just very distracting. Yeah. It's, so it, it, to have that be so pervasive in the movie, 
with Christopher Nolan. So graphic. It's like it takes your full attention away from what's happening. Yeah, it really does. With Christopher Nolan, I have such a love hate with him because yeah. I feel like as a visual director, very strong. Yeah. Not one of the best out there. But whenever he's in charge of writing a project or he gets the right dialogue, I'm just like, it's weird. Please hire someone. This is so bad. And so, like, I have to imagine this is his idea to film the scene this way. And I, I just. Uh, yeah, I think. Nolan! <laughs> Damn it, Nolan. Damn it, Nolan. Like, I'm pretty sure he wrote Tenet, and Tenet was almost unendurable for me. I, I thought did, the movie was so bad. <laughs> on your recommendation, I did not watch that, okay. so I have no idea. But then again, he's done movies that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Man. It's like that thing. It's like the thing with George Lucas. Yeah. Well, don't let him write the movie. Don't let him write the movie. Let him do the visuals and the world building. Right. And that's about it. Then let Nolan do the visuals yeah. and the world building. And you get his strong visual style in this movie. There's yeah, a lot of it, scenes I really liked. Oh, was it? Okay, I have a question, though. Yeah. In many scenes, did people look sunburnt and extra red? Yeah, they do it on purpose. They I do it on purpose. really funny. Okay, okay. Or not funny. Not it's funny. really grim, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, because it was like, but is yeah, that the, a reference to them, like, yeah. him thinking they're going to get burnt by, like, a nuke, Yeah, so I, th- I think the most impactful scene for me, surprising, was not the nuke. But it was later after the nuke has been successfully tested. Yeah. Which is. Maybe, and he starts having the crisis. Maybe in his the mind. climax of the movies. Yeah. He starts like really understanding what this means. And there's like sort of a celebratory meeting where yeah. he gives a speech in like the town hall, which is yep, like the yep. stadium. And uh, the movie cuts to it several times. Everyone's like stamping their feet. Dun, 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 yeah. It's it like a stadium. very percussive element to the scene. And he's just not in yeah. the moment. And he's walking up to give his speech and he's like spacing out big time. Yeah. He's, he's realizing like, oh no. I let the genie out of the bottle. I let the genie out of the bottle. Yeah. So as he's giving a speech and he's saying the words, like he's giving the speech that people want to hear. Yeah. But the whole time he's. The crowd is uh, having the effects of a nuke dropped on them. So they're just like getting blown up, like the getting scorched light. to bits, blinding light, the or l- just like ladies, charred. The lady's skin is flapping in the wind yeah. as hard as it can. Yeah, and he's saying the words. And he steps on a Japanese, like, crusted person. Yeah, just a person turned to charcoal. It's, and, uh, oh. like, the background's just shaking to pieces. He's, he's like, phasing out of reality. He's having a huge, like, existential crisis, but he's still giving the speech. He's like, you know, it's like, remember, we did it. I just wish we had it in time to bomb the Germans. <laughs> yeah, which and which is what they wanted. They, yeah, that's they were what they like, wanted. Our, his as a Jewish man, his yeah. motivation was to stop the genocide of the Jewish people. Yeah. So it those those were his like real world uh, goals. So and then at that point where they were at, he literally just wanted to see it finished. At that point, it seemed like. At least that's the story Nolan is saying. Yeah, it's, um, well, he was definitely dedicated to finishing the project, but then he starts to get kind of waffly on the morals. And I, I thought that was, it was interesting. So, okay, the Robert Downey Jr. character, let's talk about him. Okay. So at the beginning of the movie, he seems to be portrayed as a friend of Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I didn't know any better. Sure. But eventually the twist in the movie is like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is the one doing this kangaroo court because he is slighted by Oppenheimer. Yeah, because he's so much smarter than him and made him look stupid. Yeah, he made him, he embarrassed him in public at this meeting because he was trying to sell isotopes to the British or something. Right. So the twist in the movie is only a twist if you don't know history. So for plebs like me, I was like, oh, it's him. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Yeah, oh shit. Yeah, so Robert Downey Jr.'s character, um, 
he has a sort of like wrap up speech where he sort of reveals uh, his, his attitude towards Oppenheimer. And he's just like, everything I've done for Oppenheimer, I let him be the man who built the, the bomb. Yeah. And then uh, I forget what he says exactly, but he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't get the uh, guilt. Yeah, he, he doesn't, get, he the doesn't guilt. get the guilt from being the one who dropped it. He's like, I, I let him be the man who, who dropped the, or made the bomb, but I absolved him of his guilt. Yeah, of, he thinks he's a hero for doing this to him, but even though Oppenheimer still feels incredible amounts of guilt. Yeah, but it's weird, though, because I kind of agreed with the Robert Downey Jr. character. I was like, yeah, Oppenheimer did kind of get to have his cake and eat it, too, because after he built the bomb... He was famous. He's he's famous, and then he got to do his, you know, anti-nuke stuff, and... um, He got to play both sides of that coin. He got to play both sides, and the entire movie, his morals are in question, like... There's that scene where um, Sellers or what's his name? I think his name is Sellers, the Hungarian scientist. Oh yeah, yeah. Is uh, he kind of has him quartered? I think it's after they they test it, and he's asking Oppenheimer about like what people think, and then he's like, "But what do you think, Oppenheimer? Like, no one knows what you think about yeah, this. And he's never been solid on his. Yeah, views. he's always just like waffling back and forth. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do the project, but." But he does the same thing with... I don't want to use the bomb. I'm just going to make it. Yeah, he is the same thing with the Communist Party in the beginning. He's like, yeah. I can see why your things work, but I don't agree. You know, he's just like, he waffles on that too. Yeah, so in the end, Oppenheimer looked very wishy-washy to me, and I wondered if that is an accurate depiction historically. Like, as far as I know, this movie isn't, like, revisionist. It's accurate. I Apparently. I, I mean, I, I don't know the details. <laughs> yeah, but it was weird because Robert Downey Jr. character is the villain, and he gets that sting... And it's like, but he's kind of right, though. <laughs> yeah. And even... Because uh, it's like, now we don't remember Oppenheimer as being the one who dropped the bomb. Because even Truman's just like... Yeah, Truman. Truman's like, no, dude, I'm the one that gave the green light. Yeah. Well, Shut up. This is not about you. It's about me. The yeah, Truman depiction was that. not flattering, was it? No, it was not. Yeah, they portrayed Truman as really kind of awful. Yeah. He's I like, mean, get well, this behind... crybaby out of here. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I, I think I snickered when he said that. But it was like... It's behind closed doors, so yeah. no one knows what was said. Yeah, but Oppenheimer, he came to Truman, and he's like, yeah, I'm worried that like this is going to accelerate our arms race with the, the Soviets, blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he's like, like, why do you care this, about the Soviets? I feel this enormous guilt, because, you know, I made the bomb, and then Truman's literally just like, the Japanese people don't give a shit who made it. They care right. who dropped it. Exactly. <laughs> and that was me. And, and, you know, you can make the argument... It was going to be made eventually. Yeah. Because they they were showing during the development that the Russians were testing stuff. The Germans had a like 16 month head start. People were trying. Yeah. They wanted they, yeah, they it was, wanted a new bomb. It was definitely going to be made no matter what. Yeah. It was, it was eventually. Not, eventually. But by whom? Yeah. Oppenheimer gets the gets the finish line first. Yeah. And then um, one of the other guys in the movie is the, the hydrogen bomb father. Yeah. A Hungarian, scientist. Hungarian scientist where he, he he basically says you know oh I think we could go down this route yeah yeah and so that's sort of set up that's set up as well yeah so in the end um the movie doesn't it's not very glamorous for anyone I no. guess that's how real life is but it's like I was gonna everyone, say yeah it's it's a real life story so <laughs> everyone's kind of awful yeah everyone's kind of awful uh yeah and like a lot of his scientist buds like maybe they don't outright like sell them out at the end but like sellers is just like uh, i would rather have state secrets in someone else's hand oppenheimer's kind of wishy-washy yeah and like yeah i would say there's not really many characters if 
like any that are like entirely sympathetic. No. Besides like maybe like the one character that's like, please sign the petition. You know, like he didn't have anything else to do, so he's not really like a real character. Yeah. So but like the only like real characters everyone is backstabby cheaters. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's surprising like how high school drama the Manhattan Project was. I mean everyone's a prima donna, they're all backstabby. Yeah, they all like wanna feel like they're in charge. Yeah. Like Oppenheimer gets all the wives to do little jobs in the town. And then the general's like, What are you doing? This is a security breach and he's like, he wants power again. Yeah, like yeah, yeah everybody the Matt Damon character. So it's like it you know, different people want different things and like you know, one guy storms out like a prima donna. He's yeah. like, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. This is just a depressing look at just, humanity. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's a depressing look at humanity's darkest hours. Yeah, these are our brightest minds and they're just acting like children and... I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I can't imagine the pressure. Yeah. It's so true. It could be something like that where it's and the, like the movie does do a good job messing. of Sorry. providing the gravity of the situation, right? Yeah. Like there, there's a point where like Matt Damon's character snaps like, because this is the most important yeah. thing that's ever happened in history. And to be honest, it, it's, I guess it's maybe, pretty true. Was Matt Damon the most sympathetic character? He seemed like he knew what was going on. He seemed, yeah. I Actually. He did pretty much what he said he was going to do. He did say he, he was going to do. He didn't backstab anyone. He didn't backstab anyone. He tried to help Oppenheimer he multiple to, times. Yeah. Um, He definitely even... Like stuck his neck out multiple times. He got his brother in on the project. Yeah, like he he went above and beyond as like a person. Yeah, so I guess um I forgot his name. I think it's Groves. The General Groves. Yeah, or so Colonel I, Groves. I, I guess he came out looking the best, but it's like everyone else. Bleh. Yeah, even even President Truman. Yeah, <laughs> even Truman is weird because Groves is little like lieutenant, um played by Dane DeHaan. Oh yeah, yeah. He is looking a little older. He's not so boyish anymore yeah yeah good for him i yeah. guess he can do some more roles so he was just uh he was terrible just an awful guy yeah he's uh he's out there it's like it's he's like a little very, snake yeah it's just a snake i was just like uh i mean well i mean that's pretty, <laughs> yeah who knows i guess it, probably true maybe probably I, true. Don't know. I don't know i mean i imagine when you're a spy or a spy hunter yeah you kind of have to be that way yeah so i can't really like fault him for being that way because it's like you're yeah. you're hunting devious people yeah maybe that's just how life's gotta be and you kind of just have to like maybe put that mask on you know and just like you know yeah. do your job so no sympathy. there are a lot of characters in this movie and i do think it suffered from cast bloat a little bit but it's not as bad as um Asteroid City, I bet it has more than Asteroid City. Dude. That's what I'm saying. Like it does, it doesn't feel anywhere near that. Like it doesn't feel as bad because it's longer, so every character gets a little more screen time. But that's true. One of the characters, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s like assistant, I think he's just credited as aide. He doesn't even get a name. Are you serious? I, I didn't think, notice that. I don't think he has a a credited name, even though he gets a ton of lines. He gets a ton of lines, and he starts like actually moralistically uh, taking the higher ground yeah. against him. Yeah. So eventually. Robert Downey Jr.'s character, I already forgot his name. No, Strauss. Strauss. Strauss I was going to specifically pronounce Strauss, not Strauss, because he didn't want to be German anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think he was he was Jewish as well, right? I th there was a, yeah a plethora of Jewish characters involved in this yeah, project. I, I think I think his character was Jewish, and he was like fleeing Germany. He's like, I don't want to be German anymore. It's Strauss. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, he's sort of explaining eventually the twist, and he's like, oh, I've got the knife in the back, and then. Um, right. I forget his name. He's the guy who played Han Solo in the new Han Solo movie. 
Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. So I totally forgot. Then he like realizes that's where I saw. And he's him. like morally disgusted. He's like, "Oh, you're gross." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Ah, oh, I was looking up to you." Yeah. 10 so minutes he ago. sort of becomes like the moral center of the film. Yeah. And he's he's just credited as aid. And he's there the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. He gets a surprising amount of line for not having a name. Yeah. Really. Jeez. Um. Another strange thing was the movie placed a lot of emphasis, which I missed. On what Oppenheimer said to Einstein in a brief encounter. Oh, and, the, um, yeah, the, it, yeah. The movie when, cuts yeah. back to it several times, and yeah. I didn't understand that it was trying to place emphasis on this, that it was supposed to be like really important. I was like, I don't, who cares what they said to each other? Like, they're just scientists, right? Right. But then at the end of the movie, it is a cool line. And I almost feel like, did I miss something or should it had, should it have done a better job, like emphasizing that to us? So it's like, maybe, yeah, you don't know what they say. You see, they said something to each other. And then I think a bunch of characters talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah. did you see Einstein? And then he's like, we know each other. And then Robert Downey Jr.'s character comes in later and he's like, what did you say to Einstein to turn him against me? Yeah, he, he's very self-absorbed. Yeah, because he, he thinks, thinks it's that, about him. Yeah, he gets social anxiety about that. He thinks something, he, they're talking about yeah. him because yeah, he doesn't respond to him when he passes he's by. He's very paranoid. But then I think one of the final scenes in the movie is revealing what he said to him there. Yeah. And um, earlier in the movie, Oppenheimer had consulted Einstein and he's like, look at these calculations. Do you think this is true? Like, he's afraid we could the, potentially ignite the atmosphere to yeah. destroy the world with and, the chain yeah, reaction. Burn the world. Yeah. And then in their, their encounter later, Einstein's just like, yeah, so you didn't, you didn't ignite the atmosphere. Good job. And then Oppenheimer's like, but I think we did start a chain reaction that will end the world. It's yeah. Like, oh, there's the nuke stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then you start hearing like boots clamoring and yeah. like, you know, and you start seeing uh, visuals of missiles. Yeah. So it's like, that was kind of the and, stinger. I was yeah. almost at the end, I think. And you have the visual again. Because at one point a character talks about the visual of a missile flying overhead while in an airplane. Yeah. And it cuts to... Oppenheimer visualizing that perfectly. Yeah, he's like and in the he, airplane in the cockpit. And then he sees like just dozens of missiles and he starts imagining like, you know, Terminator 2-esque like yeah. nukes hitting everywhere in the world. The whole well, later world. on I think there's even a rocket where he's like, oh my god, they're gonna strap this to a rocket. Yeah, no, yeah, they, yeah there's like a pan out of like two rockets yeah. and he, they're starting to realize that rockets are the next point of this, not just being dropped from an airplane. Yeah. Because so, like, they're in Cold War, so cold, the Cold War race is the, the rocket race right so it's like that makes sense that like that's where they're at they didn't say it explicitly yeah, but yeah. they showed it the movie actually goes back it jumps forward in time after the hearings or whatever oh yeah when they're old yeah and it reveals einstein had said another thing to him and he was like you know later on they're gonna give you awards oh like, yeah the awards aren't gonna be for you they're gonna be for them themselves or something to like forgive themselves something something for having you do this for them yeah know. yeah and um that of course comes true Einstein was prophetic in that they they end up at the end of his career. Yeah, Oppenheimer was forgiven. They're like, you know, we shouldn't have taken away your security clearance. Here's this award, blah blah blah. Yeah, Versari. Yeah, and of course, the whole time you know, Oppenheimer had that advice from Einstein earlier, so he knows exactly what's happening. It's like this is not for me. Yeah, it's for their guilt. Yeah, it's for their guilt. I made the bomb. Blah blah blah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's history. <laughs> yeah, that's history. They uh, that is a very common thing to do. I can't say it's uh, any different with characters like Oppenheimer. Yeah. So I don't know. What are yeah. your What are your thoughts about Oppenheimer? You have anything else to say? It's yeah. It's not. Uh, it's funny. I, yeah. We were, 
saying they have more to talk about Barbie than actually this movie. Yeah. Because it's very straightforward. There's not a lot to... It's oh, very straightforward, except for the narrative device. Except for the narrative device. You know, think all the things in here... Yeah. It's just the story of a man's life. Yeah, it appears to be a um, relatively exhaustive biopic. I mean, yeah, and the gripe is... Uh, the, the two main gripes I have are... A, the excessive graphic nudity. <laughs> and then B, the... Uh, the kind of um, let down with the uh, atomic bomb. Yeah, I have to confess it as a pleb viewer. The nuke test, I would say, is at the two-thirds mark. Yeah. And <laughs> after the nuke is tested, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we literally wore uh, ear protection. Yeah. Thinking that we were going to get blasted out of our seats. Yeah, it's like, this is going to be a Nolan moment. Yeah, like where it's he just like cranks up to real. 11. Yeah, because the whole movie is being advertised to go see in IMAX 70 millimeter. Yeah, do you think this movie would have been different in IMAX? I don't know. I don't want to see those sex scenes in IMAX. <laughs> I, I'm like rolling my eyes now because it's like I, I'm kind of taken out of the movie. It's like it bothers me too much, yeah, I think. Don't let Nolan do interpersonal scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, so what, what I'm thinking is this movie... I don't think it'd be that different in IMAX. No. Because when I think of an IMAX movie, I'm thinking of like Denis Villeneuve's Dune, right? Where it's these huge yeah. widescreen and landscape sounds shots. and just, yeah. Yeah. And this movie doesn't have any shots that I think would be particularly enhanced by IMAX. There's no wide shots. There's no gigantic scenery. I mean, he shot different shots in with IMAX cameras. Yeah. But he does that. I did see specifically that the, um, the the scene where he's giving the speech was shot in IMAX. So it's like, but, how, how could that be made much better with IMAX? Was, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, how can a speech become more than yeah. a speech? Like, is he just going to talk louder at me? Is it, <sighs> I am know. I feeling the air? Yeah, uh, maybe you know. the volume probably be better at IMAX. And but, the, this is from someone who hasn't seen the IMAX, so I, I can't really say for sure. We have not seen the IMAX. Yeah. But I, I couldn't help but think, like, I don't know if this would be greatly improved by IMAX. No, but like you said, like a movie like Dune would do that for sure yeah yeah even yeah this different action movies usually do that it's it's not an action movie and it's not no not excessive on how did you feel about pacing because even though the movie is long i thought the pacing was okay i was gonna say i i thought the pacing was okay no i yeah i didn't i didn't feel too bogged down the jumping from scenes helped i think probably because uh, we didn't Despite stay. Despite being a little complicated. Because, uh, yeah, I imagine if this was laid out in a perfect chronicle, chronological order. Yeah, it might be a snoozer. You'd be like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, you might, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it may be more eye-rolling if that was the case. But yeah. I think yeah. in this case, the jumping around works. Because in some movies, I really hate it. Yeah. Because you're like, this is unnecessary for this movie. But however... With the uh, narrative device of the kangaroo court, it makes sense, and it kind of helps you keep engagement. Yeah, I agree. Even though I don't love the narrative device, I do agree with his decision, because I think it does help the pacing, like you I said. I think so, too. And but, I do think the pacing is good, even though I personally don't care after the Manhattan Project section is over. Yeah. I would say this is a, this is a Cheapskate Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to see it in IMAX. Probably not. <laughs> and I suggest seeing in theaters, but I, yeah. I'd say you don't pay a full price. 
I'm going to I almost want to have a different recommendation. I'm going to if you're not interested in the subject, I would not recommend seeing this movie. Fair enough. But if you have some, you know, passing interest in history, I think you should see this movie. And I, I'll say, yeah, Cheapskate Tuesday. And make it's sure to, sad for, uh, make sure go with the empty bladder. I mean, oh yeah, go yeah, don't no snacks, Nolan, no no drinks. Like I said, Nolan knew what he was doing, making a three-hour R-rated biopic. Yeah, this is not going to be the the blockbuster. <laughs> oh, there was the funny. Um, they did the uh, Kennedy reference. Yeah, that one guy. Kennedy yeah, they got voted, the Kennedy in there. Yeah, they, they got there. Kennedy's name in there on the last second. Oh my god. I was like, of course. History. <laughs> History. Everyone loves Kennedy so yeah, much. Basically. It's like he's a he's another golden boy. The golden boy. Gosh. Alright, so should we compare and contrast Barbie and Oppenheimer? The epic Barbenheimer experience. Do we recommend the Barbenheimer? <laughs> no. Yeah. My so I'll tell I'll don't I'll, see them in one day like we did. No, and I made a terrible choice on top of that. I was uh I made a like kind of a joke post earlier that day, and I did a uh, a very intense leg workout, and then sat for six hours, <laughs> and I was basically torn to pieces by doing this. My back hurt, my legs were stiff, yeah, and I can't imagine to be much better doing it like without anything else done in the same day. Like it's not worth it. It's it's a funny joke, for sure, and yeah, the contrasting of like different styles. Like we got like. Bright, you know, beautiful. Yeah, I love seeing all the Barbenheimer memes. In uh, versus like black and white and like cool, like I love the look of you know Oppenheimer and Barbie. Like Oppenheimer, I love all the suits. I I wish I could dress like that all the time, but at the same time, I also wish I could dress like the Barbie world (laughs) (laughs) with the rollerblades, rollerblades all the time. So here's how I topped off my Barbenheimer experience. What did you do? I came home after midnight. And it turns out that the Venture Bros movie is, it released that same day. Oh, and, um, did you watch another movie? I watched another movie. Oh my God. So this is the culmination of a 20 year series. Oh my God. Fans of the Venture Bros, hashtag, uh, you know, Venture Bros fans rise up. <laughs> Shout out to Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. Uh, cool. That show has diehard fans, myself included. So I knew that the second the movie came out, I had to see it. So I came home and watched another movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're nuts. Yeah, I had to because it's the final the final piece of Venture Bros media that was ever going to be. It's yeah. had a, a long history, plagued by many get cancellations. by the internet. Probably. Yep, so it's over now. All right. So. I, th- I think we are too. Yeah, we're wrapping up here. It's a uh, very special episode of Cheapskate Tuesday. Special, special Where episode. it was actually expensive midnight release Thursday. <laughs> yeah, and not necessarily completely recommended. So. Yeah. Don't recommend Barbaheimer. Don't necessarily. All right, but Gunderhead, which one do you recommend more? Barbie. Okay. I think I'm actually going to have to go with Barbie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Go see, see you Barbie. guys next week.